Let's talk about niche, baby. Let's talk about OTP. Let's talk about all the good things and the bad things that may be. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to the OTpreneur podcast, where we like to have fun, we like to sing, and we like to teach you about OTpreneurship. Whether you want to pronounce it niche or niche, there's no denying how important developing your niche is for your OT business. And yes, I do say it, niche. Today on the show, we talk about defining your niche. So let's go ahead and dive on in. Are you thinking about starting an occupational therapy business, but don't even know where to begin? Whether you're starting something on the side or going full-time in your business, the OTpreneur podcast is what you need. This show will help you get in the right mindset and give you actionable tips to go from just an idea to OTpreneur. Let's go. I'm Jason Davies, and with me today is my LA native co-host, Colorado transplant, and all-around pop star, Sarah Putt. How are you doing, Sarah? I'm good, Jason. How are you doing? Doing very well. Excited to talk about something that is just so important to business, whether it's an online business, a client care business that's a virtual business or a brick and mortar or in the home, wherever it might be, your niche is so important. A lot of people like to say that the niche is in the riches or actually the riches are in the niches, but I can't guarantee you that. I can't guarantee you that if you have a great niche (laughs) that you're going to get rich. But I can say from my experience that audience building and developing a connection with your audience completely depends upon you identifying your niche. So with that, we're diving into niche and niche. Sorry if I co- or if I use them interdependently, I don't even know. But uh, we're going to talk about that. And to get us started, Sarah has a little history lesson <laughs> on niches. So Sarah, take it away. I feel like Jason and I, we've talked about this so many times that every time that this word comes up, it's like, how do, how do we how do we pronounce it? Right. And I know you say <laughs> niche. I am still like on the fence. Is it niche or is it niche? And neither one of them wants to come out very smoothly for me. And so it took a little bit of time. I went to Google and I was like, you know what? Let's just let's figure out what is the basis behind this word? So for anyone that cares, niche (laughs) is actually the older of the two. It's been around longer. And niche wasn't actually put into the Merriam-Webster's Collegiate Dictionary until 1993. And that is is according to niche or niche pursuits. Uh, How do you pronounce it? I'm not sure. (laughs) Dot com, I should say. (laughs) So I guess niche is the more woke way to say it, but in all honesty, it sounds like it's the more British way to say it, I I believe, right? That's it. So niche, again, in the research that I've done, niche has been kind of historically dominated and more common in kind of the American English, whereas niche is more relatively new and tends to be more kind of that British English. So I'm going to throw it out there. If you're listening and you're like, it is niche or no, 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 no. It is niche. Please reach out to us. Very curious to hear your take on this because Sarah's still undecided (laughs) and I'm probably going to flip flop doing this entire episode. We're going to go back and forth. Yeah. And and that's the other thing is sometimes I feel like I'm saying niche and Sarah will say niche and then we like flip flop and she's saying niche and I'm saying niche. I'm like, wait, all right, we got to, we got to find one. All right. Anyways, now that we have that little history (laughs) lesson about niche and niche, you know, as I mentioned before, It is so important to understand your niche. And the reason I say that is because multiple 
multiple brands, multiple businesses, multiple people can have very similar products. However, if your niche is slightly different from your I don't want to use the word competitor because sometimes they're not necessarily a competitor, but another business's niche, you can coexist, you can even support each other, and you can both be so successful. So what a niche is, is actually a very specialized segment of the market, as you might have kind of gathered from what I was talking about. And for this for your particular kind of service or your particular kind of product, you can have a very defined niche. And I believe this is kind of how Sarah was able to come into a very busy OT atmosphere in Los Angeles and start her own business. And so, Sarah, why don't you kind of talk a little bit about your niche per se in that and how you got to that? Yeah. So, my niche, my niche, <laughs> back and forth, back and forth, is working in, for I should say, for my private practice, it is providing services in early intervention. And within the area that I am in, that is birth to three years of age. Now, depending on where you are geographically, that can actually go from birth to five. But when we're talking about niche here, my niche is early intervention birth to three years of age and in the homes. So it just goes one early intervention, birth to three is another kind of subset of that. And then also working in the homes is another subset because you can do early intervention in a clinic, in a brick and mortar facility, but I don't have that. I go into the client's homes or I utilize community resources. So yeah, in a nutshell, that is a very specific niche of my private practice. Going even further than that, because you also work directly with Regional Center, I can imagine that there's also early intervention specialists that maybe don't work with Regional Center. So I think that's even an added part of your niche, correct? Yeah, yeah. Good point. Thanks for bringing that up. All right. So there you have it. Just one example really quickly of Sarah's niche as she has a client-centered practice. Um, I have an online business and I would say that my niche is very specific. It is school-based occupational therapy practitioners, not just therapists or therapy assistants, school-based OT practitioners as a whole that want to either really get started in school-based OT, and again, I'm talking about my OT schoolhouse business, or maybe they want to transition to school-based OT. As I've gotten larger, I've been able to expand that a little bit to include all school-based OTs, but when I first got started, I was really looking at those that were just transitioning or getting started with school-based OT. And I actually struggled with that a little bit at first because uh, I wanted it to be all pediatric-based. But that wasn't niche enough. Mm-hmm. We needed to niche down, and we'll talk about niching down in just a little bit. I niched down to, so that I no longer had to try and target pediatric therapists who, honestly, I just didn't know about the outpatient world outside of school-based OT. And so I really wanted to focus on just school-based occupational therapy. So that's how I developed our niche over at the OT schoolhouse. So let's dive into some of the pieces of, of a niche. All right, so the first component that we kind of wanted to talk about of a niche is the piece of you, the piece that makes you stand out, the the expertise that, that you have that allows you to really fit into a place. And so for Sarah, you know, she knew early intervention. For me, 
I really knew school-based occupational therapy. And so I really um, honed in on that side. As I mentioned, I went away from pediatric occupational therapy because I didn't necessarily know that. And so I wanted to focus on school-based OT. Uh, Sarah, when did you, I mean, you knew you wanted to go into EI. That's what you knew. That's what you loved, right? Kind of. I mean, fresh out of school, no. I honestly, I didn't ever think that I'd be working in early intervention or working with babies. But throughout my time, maybe first four or five years out of out of school, I was doing global pediatric therapy, clinic-based, school-based, and early intervention. And then it just slowly funneled and I stopped doing the school-based, sorry, no offense, Jason. And I was only doing clinic-based and early intervention. And then I stopped doing clinic-based and there were a lot of different kind of components that really led me to that. But ultimately, I'm so happy that I found that niche because that is where my heart is. That is now where my expertise is. That where That is really where I have been able to build my practice around. So I, I did kind of start bigger and then just honed in, funneled down and found my specific niche. Niche. <laughs> I, just, I think I just combined <laughs> both of them there. <laughs> We'll take it. We'll take it. So again, I'm kind of I'm gonna kind of use our examples to help you out here in defining your niche. So so far we have early intervention for Sarah, school-based OT for myself. However, a second part of this is not just what we know and what we love and what we can do, but we also have to make sure that there's actually a market for that. And so we needed to then figure out, okay, I know school-based OT, Sarah knows early intervention. But what does our customers need? Are there enough of the customers that need the service that we have to offer? And so we had to look externally. And I'll just share really quickly for me, that meant, you know, kind of jumping on Facebook and jumping on different social platforms and saying, are there other school-based OTs that are looking for support? And if I would have jumped on and saw, you know what, no one's looking for support. Everyone knows what they're doing. They don't need another podcast. They don't need a YouTube channel. They don't need something. Then I probably would have shifted gears. But as I jumped on and I did a little bit of research, I found out that, yes, there were school-based occupational therapy practitioners that wanted support. And so at that point, my niche was, okay, I know that I know school-based OT. I know that others want support. Heck, I want support. (laughs) And so I kind of started to uh, define that specific role. For you, Sarah, how did you kind of do that, I guess, market research component? And what did you figure out? I think part of it was personal reasons and really figuring out what it was that I wanted to be doing as a practitioner and, and really the population, the clientele that lights me up and gets me excited to like get out of bed in the morning and actually go be an occupational therapy practitioner. So part of it was that. And then part of it was also hearing because I was I was already in the realm of pediatric therapy and I was working in early intervention. And I would hear time and time again, we don't have enough practitioners. We don't have enough occupational therapy practitioners in early intervention within my area. And that is still true to this day. We do not have enough early intervention occupational therapy practitioners. We don't have enough practitioners in general physical therapy, speech language pathology, Mm -hmm. early intervention is one of those areas we're always looking for people that are interested and passionate about that area. So not only was I realizing that that is where my heart 
lies. But then I was like, wow, I'm hearing that there is such a need too, that there's not enough people to support it and, and support this amazing, um, my favorite practice area. And so it really made, I guess, the realization of that niche very easy for me because I was like, yep, I want to work with babies. I want to work in the natural environment and there's a need. <laughs> there you go. So now you've got the Sarah side of it. You've got Sarah's audience side of it. And Sarah even kind of jumped right into the next part of it, which is that gap. Where is the gap that's missing? Because there were other early intervention specialists that were providing OT in the same area that she was in. But there was also a gap because there are not enough providers. For myself, I jumped into the podcast gap that did not exist for school-based occupational therapy practitioners. Yes, there were some blogs out there. There was definitely a Facebook group or two, but there wasn't a podcast. And so I jumped onto that and just kind of ran with it and um, it took off. And so I think if we kind of put all of that together, Sarah really kind of already brought hers together, but mine, if you took it even a step further from just school-based OT practitioners that wanted to learn more about school-based OT, I think for me, it would go even further to say that it is more from a auditory and video perspective as opposed to a blog perspective. That might be even a little bit taking it niching down, if you want to call it. So, uh, well, And I want to say, Jason, yeah. that not only did you start a podcast about school-based occupational therapy, which is a niche in itself. But in OT podcast, you were one of the first. You were definitely one of the first, I'd say one of the first five, maybe, that yeah, came out with a I consistent so. OT podcast. So there's another niche right there. <laughs> yeah, and that is true. And I mean, yeah, podcasts have blown up now, and maybe that's a little bit harder of a space to come into today. I mean, we're on episode seven, and we just started like two months ago, and we are jumping into the podcast space. So it's not to say, like, I'm not going to tell you that the OT podcast space is saturated. I don't think it is because you can find your little niche within the OT podcast space. I mean, I could see other school-based OT podcasts being out there because there's just different little tiny areas that people can occupy. You have so many podcasts out there now that talk about their niche is like neurodiversity <laughs> or their niche is occupational therapy students. Or for parents, right? Understanding so, yeah, OT or OT services as parents. Yeah. All right. So you heard me earlier say that the riches are in the niches. And that's true to a big extent, because if you try to be too broad, then no one's going to know to follow you. And going back to my previous example, if I was trying to support both school-based occupational therapists and pediatric occupational therapy providers, then I might have said something that half of the population really disagreed with me with because maybe things are a little bit different from that outpatient pediatric clinic perspective versus that school-based occupational therapy perspective. And I think that's also true for something in Sarah's realm, right? Like she knows that she is within that early intervention specialty area. So now if she started taking on clients that were maybe third, fourth, fifth graders, you know, it just wouldn't quite fit. Can you imagine like what would happen if maybe a third, a parent of a third grader came to you, Sarah, and they said, hey, I want OT from you. Now, like maybe when I had first started my practice, because I had been working with kids that were older, 
I might have been able to feel not competent. It's it, that's the wrong word, but feel like I would be able to support them to the best of my ability. But now, because I am so focused, I'm so targeted in early intervention. I'm kind of like, you know what? Like, yeah, I can dig from the memory banks of like working with older kids, but that's not that's not my passion. That's not where my expertise comes into a play. And so, part of that actually gives gives the reason of like hey, this isn't a good fit for me. I don't think that I can best support you and your needs. And I've actually had to say that to parents before that have either wanted an evaluation or they've wanted support from my company. And I'm like, this isn't, this actually isn't a good fit because that's just not the clientele that we specialize in anymore. It's not to say that we can't do it, but sometimes you've got to kind of put your foot down and just be like, nope, this is, this is my niche. This is where I'm going to stay. And I think the big thing in when we're kind of talking about niche and the importance of actually really niching down is I'm, I'm going back to what we talked about a few episodes ago for the people that are kind of paralyzed by either too many or too little ideas of what they want to do with their business. When we're talking about niche, this can really help you focus and target more of what it is that you want to be doing. So if you're that person that has a million ideas, pick one. I know it's going to be hard, but pick one. That's going to be your niche that you're going to start with right there. And for the person that doesn't have any ideas, you got to pick one. You got to start somewhere, right? It doesn't mean that you can't do all the ideas later, but you have to start with that one focus, that one target area first. And I think that that will help guide you into how you go about starting your business and coming up with the idea and what it is that you're actually going to do. And just kind of say, not goodbye, but like so long to some of these other shiny objects that you might want to be doing later. You might be able to get there. But focus first, niche down first before you potentially can expand. But you don't have to. You can actually even niche down even more. Not only can it help you focus, but it can also save you a lot of time and money. Like I can only imagine if you are focusing I'm going to use your your example as well, or still here, Sarah. <laughs> you know, you focus on zero to three. But if you were to start seeing a sixth grade student or in a seventh grade student, now I can imagine that, A, you would need to potentially invest in new assessment tools mm-hmm. that aren't, you know, used for zero to three. You need a different assessment tool. Uh, you might need to go to some more professional development trainings to learn <laughs> more refresh. about that age range, <laughs> right? You're going to have to... Uh, increase your network and your advertising to actually reach the parents of those older students, which costs time in trying to network and money if you do any type of advertising. So that's how niching down can really save you time, energy, and money is because you are hyper-focused on one particular area of the market and you know where to to spend your time and energy because you know that you can serve them best. Yeah, you might be able to help other people, but these people are the ones that you can serve best and you know how to find them. And I think a, a big point to highlight here is, again, we, we don't like using the word competition, but I think it fits here, especially for new people, new OT practitioners thinking about considering OTpreneurship. You see people that are out there doing maybe something similar that you want to be doing or having a business that is similar to what you want to start. And speaking from experience, there were a lot of pediatric clinics, and I've talked about this in other episodes, there are very well-known pediatric clinics within the geographical location that my practice 
provide services in. And I remember when I first started out that I was like, how am I ever going to compete? And in my brain at that moment, how am I ever going to compete with these massive, massive, I mean, hundreds of therapists and practitioners that work for these companies and work for these clinics? There's no way. There's absolutely no way that I can compete with with these with these companies but what i actually had to do is sit down and be like you know what it's not about competing with them it's actually highlighting what is so special about my niche and what is it that i bring to the table that is different or that adds to it complements what these other clinics are already doing so it's not to say that these clinics don't provide early intervention services but they provide so many other things as well where i can just step in and be like i do early intervention that's it you want early intervention. And I should actually throw in only OT. Right now, my my private practice is all occupational therapy and it's all early intervention. And so I think it really allowed me to see how I can actually stand out to my competition, quote unquote, stand out to other businesses and what and what I bring to the table and really owning that through my niche and really understanding that. And, you know, I want to just kind of wrap up with three, like kind of the three takeaways about developing your niche in just a moment. But before that, uh, I just want to share a few examples. We've shared already a few, especially our examples, Sarah, mine. Uh, But do you just want to share like one or two examples each, Sarah? I'm going to start with Laura Pedix. And you may know Laura on Instagram as the OT Butterfly. (laughs) Shout out to Laura. Right? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Laura She has really honed in as an OT mom of a neurodivergent child. She has honed in on teaching parents how sensory impacts behavior. And so she has just like blown up on Instagram, blown up her courses, her communities, because she has defined this one subsect of parents that just really understand her. They get her and they know that she has the answers that that they need and she can provide those answers. And now she's even going further where she's like, has this awesome idea of supporting specifically students who want to take their kids to Disneyland (laughs) and know that they might actually have difficulties with navigating the crazy environment that is Disneyland. So that's even niching down from supporting parents of, of kids with sensory differences. I think another OTpreneur that we'll throw out here that I think has done really well with defining her niche is Cheryl Crow. And Cheryl's niche is rheumatoid arthritis. And she is an occupational therapist. She has rheumatoid arthritis herself. And she has developed online courses. She has developed a community. She has done lots of speaking engagements. She has really become the expert, the occupational therapy practitioner expert on rheumatoid arthritis, but also has that lived experience of having the disease herself. And what she has done with it, it, I mean, it's amazing. And I, I, I learned so much about niche from her and really how she's developed that and how she's turned in kind of her professional and her personal world into this business that supports individuals. And first time's sake, we're going to wrap it up at those two. But to just kind of challenge you and make you think about your niche, we just kind of want to give you three quick things. We've already established these, but I just want to give you a reminder of what to consider as you develop your niche. And so that first thing is look inside. What are you an expert at? What do people come to you and ask you questions about? 
It may not even be occupational therapy. Look at Amira over at Marvelous Miracles. She is an occupational therapist, but she is supporting OTs from a financial part. So she's not teaching them anything about OT. She's teaching them about the financial aspect of getting an OT degree and paying off your debts and starting a family and, you know, budgeting, all that good stuff. Like you don't necessarily have to do something specific to OT to be an OTpreneur. So look inside yourself. What do you love? Second, look at your audience or your potential audience. Who are they? Are they people from, you know, 10 to 20 who need support with executive functioning? Are they people from 60 to 90 that you want to help them stay in their home because, you know, people want to stay in their home without having to worry about falling? These are all just examples of a niche and there are just countless niches out there. So find that audience that kind of fits into what you want to do. Find your specialty and find your audience. Then, of course, you just got to bridge that together and help yourself stand out. What makes you different from the other occupational therapist that wants to help those 50 plus age group uh, not fall at home so that they can stay in their house forever and ever and ever and not have to go to a nursing care facility or So yeah, find out, find what you love, find the audience that you can support and bridge those two areas together and you will have a pretty solid niche. Now, as we mentioned before, we have a course, it's called the OTP Startup and we have the wait list open right now. You can head on over to otpreneur.com if you want to learn more about that course. But talking about your niche and supporting you to develop that niche is a big part of that course. So if you would like a little bit more support in developing your niche, niching down so that you really find what drives you to support the audience that you want to support, then head on over to otpreneur.com to learn more about the Otpreneur Startup. Tune into the next episode of the OTpreneur podcast, where we are going to talk about the worst business advice that we have received so that when you hear the same advice, you can just push it to the side of the road. We will catch you on the next episode of the OTpreneur podcast. And remember, wherever you are on your OTpreneur journey, we are here to support you. Here at the OTpreneur podcast, we can't thank you enough for listening in today. If you're looking for a community of OT entrepreneurs, be sure to check out the website at otpreneur.com. At otpreneur, OT means business. We'll see you next time. Your video turned off for a second. Like I know. I I, know it's, it's being weird. I, <laughs> it it looks off. like it's okay right now. <laughs> that was so good. <laughs> next up, we're going to have to wrap. <laughs> <laughs> I'm assuming you heard a lot of that. (laughs) (laughs) So we talked a little bit about the idea of niching down. And earlier I mentioned the common phrase that you might hear if you listen to business podcasts, that the riches are in the niches. And that is because (laughs) niches. Niches. You flip flop there. The the riches are in the niches. Oh, man. All right, everyone, enjoy. The riches are in the niches. <laughs> this is a fun episode. We we sang, we laughed, we talked, we taught. Uh, we're having a lot of fun here.